Good morning. One, two, three, eyes on me. Let's try this again. I'm probably the only staff member that can get, get away with this on a Sunday morning. One, two, three, eyes on me. One, two, eyes on you. All right, our kids are one up in you guys right now. One, two, three, eyes on me. There we go, there we go. Well, what a joy to be able to come up. If you didn't notice, we are doing announcements back in the middle of service, so sorry to throw off your routine. Uh, but it's a joy to be able to come up and uh, share what are some cool happenings uh, going on in our community. So could we go ahead and put up, let's do the giving slide first. We'll zoom through that. You guys, it's so easy to give. Thank you so much for being a generous, generous body, helping us keep the lights on, but beyond that, helping us go out into Tulsa and around the world, really, to share the, the light and love of Christ. So you can give online, super easy. If you haven't already, download the Church Center app. Just look for Church Center on the App Store or Google Play. Uh, not only can you give on that, but you can see all of our events on there. Um, you can connect with your group on there. Super, super easy. You can also text, real simple, 84321. Put a million dollars. That will help us operate the church for the next two years. Cash or check. If you're old school, you like paper. We've got drop boxes on your way out. You can do it that way as well. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on. Let's, we're wrapping up March here today. Let's put our March events up. Uh, big thing I'm going to share a little bit more in just a second. You're probably wondering why is the kids director up here. Uh, it's because we have an interest lunch today. I'm going to share more in a second about that. But also, monthly missions mingle happening in the fourth grade room slash fusion room. Um, man, if God has wired you to put the nations on your heart as frequent as you're breathing, this is a space for you. Go in, hang out with Dane and some folks. Dream, scheme about how God wants to reach the nations through our local body here. So definitely check that out. Uh, you can find, if you go to the events tab on your church center app or the website, you can figure out more details, but it should be right after second service. All right, let's zoom into April. We got a lot happening. It is Holy Week, you guys. Happy Palm Sunday. If you didn't know it was Palm Sunday, you're about to be whacked with palm branches on your way out by a bunch of kids. Sorry in advance, parents. Uh, most kids think those are actually swords, which is the reverse, I think, theologically of what they are. Um, we've got Good Friday service coming up Friday as well, uh, 6.30 p.m. here in the sanctuary and live stream. And then we have our Easter Sunday gatherings also in person and live stream. You guys, uh, we're expecting a good amount of people Friday and Sunday, so we might make some changes to the layout in here. So if it catches you off guard, I'm sorry. We're going to try and keep it as socially distanced as possible, but also folks are coming back. So we're trying to accommodate the best we can. Uh, we've got Life Transformation School. I'm going to put a pin on that one. I'm going to share a little bit more. And then Fusion 912 Spring Retreat coming up. You guys, if you're in Fusion uh, High School, this, and this is your first time you haven't connected with anything in that community, retreats are one of the best ways to do it. So go to the events tab, sign up for retreat. Let's flip over to LTS. Slide right there. Boom. There it is. Okay, guys, this is 10 days of having your life like side sidetracked by the Lord just so he can come and look at every area, your identity and up and say, how can I walk you into being a son or daughter in this area of your life? It seems like a really heavy commitment. So the team has really sandwiched it down. It's just evenings and weekends. So if you're like, oh, I've got a million things going on. Actually, probably one of the best things you can do if your life feels really hurried is to park, rest, and experience something like LTS, Life Transformation School. You can actually, we're trying something new. If you're really interested, you just want some more information or the link to the form, right now, pull out your phone, text LTS21 to 94000. And it'll shoot you a little link. We'll give you more uh, information and how to apply. 
So definitely do that. This is the last week, right, Anna, to register? Yeah. Also, Anna's going to be out in the hallway with a table if you want some face-to-face information on what it's like. So definitely check that out. Last slide here. All right, you guys. Have some family talk with you all. Okay, kids are coming back uh, to our church. We are at about 50%. Let's give the Lord a huge shout for that. It is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. It is my favorite part of the week to see kids coming in excited, energized. Um, uh, I think a moment this morning, uh, Donna Nix has been discipling a couple of our kids for years now. And as soon as Donna walked by that classroom and saw their faces, she literally dropped her purse on the ground, ran to them and gave them the biggest hug in the world. That right there, Captain, I looked at Lori and I was like, if that ain't a modern day metaphor for the story of the prodigal son, I don't know what is. Um, but that captures the heart of what it's all about. And we need help. Um, our parents need help. They need sidekicks on Sunday morning. They're doing the hard work seven days a week of getting down to their kids' level, discipling, be a prophetic voice in the life of their kids. And then there's one and a half hour space of work where the, the parents come and they just rest in the Lord's parents and they entrust discipleship off to another, right? And that's where we as the community get to come in on Sunday morning. We need to get down to their level. And like Jesus, we get to bless these kids. We get to put memories in their mind and their, in their memory banks for later that church is a safe place. Church is the place where people love me and tell me about the love of the Father. I don't have to worry later on if, if I'm loved or safe because I know Donna was a living example of what a, a loving, safe father is like. That's what BC Kids on Sunday mornings is all about. But we're right now, we're at about 30% of our volunteer need. I'm anticipating we're going to be probably back to 100 plus kids a Sunday. Easter's, Easter's our biggest Sunday, and that's next Sunday, and we are not ready to be able to provide loving environments right now. Right now, my heart for BC Kids is that each space would be, um, would be a place where a child could be known. Right now, each space is a place for teachers to kind of like crowd control, you know, because there's just too many, and it's not safe uh, for the kids, social distancing, etc., but I hope that we can get our volunteer base back up. And this is where you guys get to come in and help me out. You guys get to create those memories for those kids. So we've got two opportunities for you to plug in. One is, if you've got time this afternoon, we're having, an, we're having some pizza out here in the fireside room. We're doing an interest lunch. So if you just want to get your foot in and just see, what is really the deal? What's happening in the hallway there on Sunday morning? Please, if you've got some margin, come by that interest lunch. If you just text BC Kids to that same number, 94,000, that will let us know, hey, someone's interested. We got to buy enough pizza, right? So I want to, I want to run out of pizza today when you guys come. So please text that link. It's going to send you a link. Yes. Thank you, Donna. <laughs> I want to run out of pizza today. I really do. I want, I want to be able in a month to be able to say we've got an abundance of teachers, right? To where our kids can have maybe like one teacher for every five kiddos. Wouldn't that be beautiful? I just saw a picture someone showed me right in the middle of worship of one of our teachers sitting down reading a story. And you got three or four kids around this teacher, right? Just loving on these kids, reading the story of Christ's triumphal entry. That's a memory that that kid, those kids are never going to be able to lose, right? So that's where I want to be able to be at with BC Kids. So right now we need 43 adult volunteer spots and 41 junior helpers. That is a lot, you guys. As a lot. So please, please, if you're interested, even a little bit, text that number. Even if you can't come to the lunch, that tells me, hey, I want to follow up with this person. Okay. And I'll follow up with you this week. I'll do a one-on-one training with you guys. Okay. I'll take you to Starbucks, buy you some coffee. All right. I just said that out loud. So I have to keep my word to it. Sorry, Anna, you're going to see some Starbucks drinks come through. (laughs) That's a good thing. 
All right, I love you guys. That's all I got. See you for lunch, pizza, okay? Text that number. Thank you, Zach. Um, actually, what I want to do for just a minute, okay? So let's just pause before we've been learning how to pause and hear Jesus, right? Let's let him talk to us. So let's just do that. We have two things that are really critical here. One is um, LTS. I want to say it's one of the most phenomenal weeks to meet the love of the Father. If you've ever felt like I just can't, I know it in my head, but I can't experience it here. I'm telling you, for me, I can still remember the moment and the place the Father met me when I went to LTS. Not this last year, but the year before that. Um, so I want you to pause and ask the Lord if this is something you're supposed to be doing. The other thing is for our children. We're not just doing stuff to stay busy. <laughs> God save us from that foolishness, right? But our children had the chance. What if they associate coming to this place and this gathering with something they enjoy and it tastes like Jesus? It tastes like the presence of God. That's what, that's what we're asking for is do you want to be present to do that? So let's just take just a few minutes. And there's these two things. Just, just ask the Lord, Lord. What are you doing in me? I don't know even how I can pull it off. That, here's what we do with Jesus when we really want him to, be, to run the show. We say yes before he answers. Whatever his answer is. That makes sense? Wherever you want to go, I, the answer is yes. So let's just, let's just stop for just a minute. Lord, what do you want us to do? These are your kids and you want to meet us. So Father, we want to take that seriously and respond. If you don't know and you're wrestling, then make a note to yourself, I'm wrestling. That's a good thing to know. You can check in with Jesus again this afternoon. 94,000 is the number you text to. And there's two different answers. One's BC Kids. The other one is LTS 21. And that was LTS 2021. You can text today. This afternoon, though, you want to be part of that training. It's real fun. Um, okay. Cool. See, this is just, this is normal life following Jesus, by the way. We just do this all the time. I, I, Jesus has saved me some, from so many bad decisions in my, like, just by pausing and go, oh, have you ever had that moment when there's too many emails to answer? And then I just paused and then I noticed it got resolved before I got to it. Isn't that a wonderful feeling? That's just a wonderful feeling instead of frantically. Here's a crazy thought that just is for free is, is Dallas Willard to say we should ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. And here's why. Hurry is greed. It's trying to fit in more than God intended. Oh man, that's good, is it? Because I'm always in a hurry. So Jesus help me. Okay, well, welcome to Palm Sunday. I'm thrilled that we remembered it was Palm Sunday. 
Some of you may remember from many years ago, Roger and I have always been kind of loose with the liturgical calendar. We were sitting in worship, and all of a sudden, before the transitional moment came, I leaned over and said, dude, is it Palm Sunday? He goes, I think it is. You think we should say something about it? Yeah. So I'm leafing through the Bible really quick, looking for the passage, um, just because, you know, we mean well, but it's a little messy sometimes. It's all right. <laughs> but today what I want to do is talk about what is Palm Sunday about other than palms and what is that? I mean, that's kind of whatever, you know, it's just some weird religious thing. Talk about what it's about what God was saying in this moment, and then how do we respond to it today, okay? So I'm just going to give some context and background to the moment that we'll be reading from Matthew 21, but I'm going to give the context first so you can bring it to the story, okay? So Lord Jesus, will you tell us what it is you want to tell us? That day, oh man, 2,000 years ago when you rode into Jerusalem, what was on your heart, seeing ahead where this is all going, will you talk to us? We say we're listening. Amen. What is Palm Sunday about? Well, as we know, this is context, the world is broke. Broken, right? I've found this is easy to talk about with anybody. It's not hard for almost anybody to see there's, there's something wrong in the world. Something's not working right. Don't need to belabor that point. We've had a lot of demonstration of that, especially in this last year, right? But that was never God's intention. That's not what he designed. What he designed was a world where he's the king. And when it's king, it's not just like this oligarch who's like, tell you what to do. No, he orders the world in such a way that that everything works as it was intended. Because we can still see beauty out there, can't we? We can still see just the loveliness of creation, but then... Right as we're, as we're noticing the loveliness of creation, a mosquito buzzes right into your ear. You realize something is wrong in the world. I killed my first fly last night. It was, it was, I was, it was, it was late. I was reading and I heard it. Zzz, it was the only lamp on. I was like, ah, it's begun. Yeah. What, and God put humans on earth that he could rule the earth through. He could, could, could bring this beautiful thing to bear on the earth through humans, but it's in submission to, to God as our king on a delegated authority, right? So you know the story is that we rebelled against the king. We, we thought, let's just kind of, I'd rather run the show. And we created all this brokenness and chaos in the world. We invited it in through rebelling against the king. And God's still king of the universe. There's, there's not really anybody still like vying for the position, but we're acting as if he's not. And he's holding back. <laughs> he's holding back to just exert his rule. Why? Because he wanted to work his kingdom rule back on the earth in the terms and on the level and playing ground of us humans. He had this plan. This is the whole story of the Bible that he started with one dude, Abraham. To reestablish his rule in all humanity and through all creation, starting with one person. It seems like a very inefficient and risky plan to me, but he knows what he's doing. So he starts with Abraham and then you look at the Old Testament. Why does the Old Testament, why is it even there? Well, it's because it's the story of God working through this one person 
to his family, to what became a nation. And he gives them the law so they know how to live a kingdom-shaped life on the earth. And they start to show the world what it looks like to, to, to live under the order of God. So just simple things like let's not kill each other. Let's not steal things from each other. This whole moral ethic thing comes from God through this nation reestablishing his, establishing his rule. And we know that the end game is that God is intending to reestablish his rule over all people and over the whole of creation. That's where all this is going. Palm Sunday. Where does Palm Sunday fit? Palm Sunday fits in the story of the nation of Israel. That God's working through this people group to spread out his kingdom rule throughout the earth. And so it's in that context that Palm Sunday makes sense. And so so I'll give a little review. You know, so Israel had kings. It had people that that kind of like Adam and Eve were ruling on God's behalf. They had kings that were ruling Israel, which is this little, little microcosm of God's rule coming onto the earth. And, and David was the best king. He was the second one. And God's like, yes, that's the rule I want to spread throughout the earth. And so he says actually to David that I'm going to confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forever. God's not like just a love songwriter who says, I'll love you forever. When he says forever, it's like legitly forever. I just said legitly. My kids say that. And it's now part of our, our vocabulary. I just said it legitly. I'm about to go on a tangent of a friend of mine. Ransom Kittinger has his own lexicon of words. I love it. He's got this word called flandy and squidge. It's so cool. He's like five years old and makes up his own words. And so I'm writing them all down so I can remember them. Anyway, so God says to David, I'm going to rule the earth. I'm going to reestablish my rule through your line, through your kids. And then here's some interesting things that are helpful to know about the kings of Israel that help us understand what happens on Palm Sunday and this thing we celebrate. When Solomon is named king, he has this interesting moment where they say, take your Lord's servants with you, have Solomon, my son, mount my own mule, David King's King David's mule, which is like, mule? Really? For real? Yeah, it was, it was a little more valued in that ancient culture than it is now. Um, take my mule, take him down to Gihon, there have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel. So when he's being anointed king of Israel, he's riding David's mule. Follow? Then later, there's another king, a few, a few generations later, Jehu, when he gets crowned king, they do something interesting. That the people around them quickly took off their cloaks, spread them under him on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu's king. It's kind of like rolling out the red carpet. They all put their cloaks on the ground. Okay? Now there's more generations of kings, and, and things kind of went left-footed. They went a little screwy, so that, okay, these kings are not actually living up to this line of David, this this sense of reestablishing the kingdom of God. So you, you read over and over again throughout the Old Testament, and they didn't follow the law. They didn't follow the ways of the Lord. It's not just because God's like, I like rules, and you do my rules. Then you're not doing my rules. Shame on you. No, he's wanting to bring the kingdom to the earth. And so it's just better not to punch people in the face for no reason. That's not kingdom behavior. That's, that's not kingdom living. He has the best way of doing this thing. So God has to kind of put Israel in, if you will, just a, a national timeout. 
and sends them into exile where there is no king over Israel. Foreign people are in charge of them. They call it exile where they had to actually, most of them leave their homeland, leave the very place God was starting the rule over the earth. They had to leave it. Temple destroyed. Big problem. But God is irrepressibly hopeful. He's just so hopeful. He, he, he's just like, you, you, you remember that on Dumb and Dumber where the guy says, what are my chances? I'd say one in a million. So as you're saying, there's a chance. I'm in. That's God. So he starts to speak. He's, he, he'd already spoken through Isaiah when the things were going down and, and through the prophets. And he says, that he's talking about this Messiah figure that something's gonna, when, when he comes, he's gonna say, say to daughter, to daughter Zion, see your savior comes. He speaks in Zechariah, says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Your king is coming into you. He's just and endowed with salvation, humble, mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah once more says this, that that king is going to be coming and his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. Actual place, not a metaphor, actual place. So now let's read. We're going to read Jesus' story, which we, a lot of people call a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which is the reason for Palm Sunday. It's Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. I'll read it out. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he'll send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, remember in Isaiah 62, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the full of a donkey. Actually, it's Zechariah 9.9, sorry. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road like they did for King Jehu. While others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Son of David, the very promise God made. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So Palm Sunday. What is Palm Sunday about? Is Jesus unambiguously declaring himself as the promised king way back to David? In other words, think about this just for a second. This is kind of a crazy deal. It's been hundreds of years that Israel really hasn't ruled herself. There's been moments in, in between the Testaments. There's a couple moments where there's some stuff going down, but it, even then it's not so great. You've heard the Maccabees, uh, uh, Hasmoneans, you know. But this whole time since the exile, they've never really seen something happen like was promised to King David. They've had some stops and starts, but all stops. Rome is ruling over Jerusalem. And never mind 
most of the known world. And Jesus audaciously comes to Jerusalem, fulfilling all these prophecies of what it would look like for the, the king, what the anointed one, the word is Messiah, coming to Jerusalem. The city's going nuts. The city's going nuts. Think about it. That'd be, a, it, in fact, the, the language between the whole city was stirred. You could translate it quaked. Like, what is going down? This guy apparently is the king. Is he going to assemble an army? Are we going to rebel against Rome right now? We're going to have armies. You got to remember to walk into Jerusalem at times. Rome would hang guys dying on crosses on the road. So, you know, this is what happens if you rebel against us. We will hang you here to die. What? Jesus is the king. He's coming as the king. The line of David. So, so what we can do just right here is say, what do we do with that today? We can say, well, I make Jesus my king. That's a great question, right? Jesus, he declared himself king. That goes all the way back to Genesis. The stuff God promised all the way through the line of Israel. The spread of his kingdom to the earth. The king has come. Jesus, will I make Jesus my king? But I don't want to move too fast with that. So I'll say not so fast. Let's read what Jesus' first act in office is. So he's not, he, he's declared as king. But here's what Jesus does. Matthew 21. Now we left off at verse 11. Let's start at verse 12. Go to the 16. Jesus walks in, gets off his donkey, entered the temple courts. And drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it, making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple. And he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yeah, Jesus replied. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. Jesus' first act after he's announced to the world he's king is he does this stuff. I just want to notice just what's going on here as he's disrupting the temple, to say the least. First thing is the temple was the seat of the pol of political power in Israel. There was no such thing as separation of church and state in the ancient world. That's, that's a pretty modern invention. So, so the main political leaders in Israel led from the temple. We call them the Sanhedrin. So you get together, you know, the, the, the le priestly leaders, the scribes who were the Bible scholars and the elders who, who were representatives of the people. This was like running into a government building and knocking things over because this is my house. Who is this guy? Who is this crazy man? 
Then Jesus clears out the money changers. Now, here's what's interesting about this. And he quotes a couple passages from the prophets, from Isaiah and from Jeremiah. The deal with the money changers. So, so, so if you were traveling all the way from home to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices, sometimes you, you, you couldn't necessarily bring the sacrifice with you. Your worship was to, to, to have a sacrifice, whether it's a, a lamb or if you're not very wealthy, like a dove. And you'd have to have it to bring to the altar so that you could sacrifice. So the money changers are actually there because they could change currency when you came from out of town to the right currency and then also buy a sacrifice. It was actually a nice thing. Right? These weren't like like necessarily grubby guys who are just in there, you know, <laughs> like scalping tickets, you know. <laughs> they, they were there to help the people. But here's what's fascinating. The way Herod had built the, the second temple, it made these huge courts. You, you, you don't walk into the temple. It's not like a church building. There's, imagine our whole parking lot around, if this were the temple, the whole parking lot, that was where the Israelites could be. And then there'd be a larger, larger, larger parking lot where that's as far as the Gentiles could come in. And if the Gentiles wanted to worship, they had to stay in that court. And guess where the money changers were? They were crowding out the Gentiles from praying. So Jesus is yelling, my house is a house of prayer. Get at you. Nobody can pray because look what Jesus says then. Then Jesus receives the blind and the lame into the temple courts and heals them. Here's the hardcore stuff. Leviticus 21 and 2 Samuel 5. There was huge restrictions on the blind and the lame even coming into the Gentile court. They couldn't come near. But what Jesus does, he comes and knocks everything over in the seat of political power. He clears the place, says this place is the place for prayer. I want Gentiles, blind and lame people right here, right now. And I'm going to heal you. And then children are running willy nilly. Hosanna to the son of David, which is like saying, Jesus, it's Hosanna, save us, King Jesus, save us, King Jesus. And of course, the chief priests and scribes are going to be like, um, you're not the king. I'm the boss. Do you hear what they're saying? Do you hear what they're saying? Stop them. We all know you're not king. Stop them. Or maybe we all know if this goes too far, this is going to be a mess. And Jesus boldly says, oh, haven't you guys read Psalm 8 too? Where out of the mouths of children, God ordains praise for himself. Who does Jesus think he is? Whoa. This is like crazy stuff. So, so Jesus' first act as the declared king is to disrupt the temple. But the thing is, he does it in order to restore it. That makes sense? He does it in order, not just to be, uh, uh, right? I canceled thee, <laughs> right? <laughs> that was a good joke. I just, I liked it. Thank you, Craig. Craig and I are having a moment right here. 
Thank you. <laughs> He's saying the temple, my father's house, my house is a house of prayer. And you guys think you're helping, but you're not. Get out. Come on, Gentiles. Come on, blind and lame. The people we don't actually really want here. I want to heal you. And let's pray together. I'm the king. So, what is Palm Sunday about? Palm Sunday is Jesus declaring himself as God's promised king that fits in this moment of world history. If we don't understand the context, it's like, how does, how is Christianity not just kind of a weird offshoot of this weird religion called Judaism? Well, it's this whole idea from creation that the world is broken and that God on our terms that work on this earth is restoring his kingdom through one person, through a group of people, a nation, out to all people. Through this king he promised. Jesus is saying, I'm that king that's been talked about for thousands of years. But the thing we have to notice, the thing we have to pay attention to, if it's really true that Jesus is king, that means there's no way to avoid the fact that Jesus is a disruptive king. This is what I've learned, that the nature of leadership is getting people to do things they don't want to do. Otherwise, why would any leadership be needed? People would just do what they're going to do. Right? You know, we just spontaneously all file into a line and treat one another with respect and go to the, you know, right? Six feet apart or whatever. But, you know, we kind of need a little help. We need a little leadership. If Jesus is going to be king, See, he's going to be disruptive. Jesus really, guys, was really doing a prophetic act because because that court of the Gentiles was so massive for one guy to fix everything is not even going to happen. Jesus was giving an illustration. This is what I'm here for. I'm turning everything over. I'm turning this temple back to what it was meant. And even within not that many years, probably about 15 years, there was no temple. Now his people were the temple. So, Jesus declares himself God's promised king of everything. The one who's going to set everything right for all ages, for all cultures, all times, every location. But he's disruptive. He will not play on other terms than his. So, the question I believe God wants to pose to us on this Palm Sunday. We're remembering Jesus declaring himself the king of the universe. Is, will I make Jesus my king? Jesus, this disruptive king. Jesus, who may come to my kingdom. My area of influence. And say, why are these things in this place? You're my house. My house is a house of prayer. I want to heal the blind and the lame. I want to invite in the outcast, the unlikely, the awkward. So, will I make Jesus my king knowing that he's a disruptive king? Now, here's the great news. Jesus orders things according to his Father's beautiful design. 
Think about it. Jesus went and kicked over the tables so people who couldn't walk could walk again. People who couldn't see, that let alone, you, you can't see, you can't make a living, you can't, there's so much you can't do. He kicked over the tables. He, he cleansed the temple so blind people could see again. Could it be that Jesus' disruption is absolutely wonderful? So we're going to just take a moment and pause in prayer again. We're getting lots of practices. So we're going to do this um, right now. This is the altar call. If you want to call it that. And what I want to in, um, invite you to do is either ask Jesus, or maybe you already noticed, that Jesus might just be messing with something in your world. I mean, we talked about this, what was it, a couple Sundays ago when I t- did all those trigger words? Like I could just start rattling some of those off just to trigger you in case you think, I'm oh, good, I'll trigger you if you want. Eh, I won't. Can we ask the Lord, Lord, what, it, what do I notice that I'm uncomfortable and disruptive? And can we notice whether this is something Jesus is doing? We could ask him. And then say, Jesus, I'll let you run the show, no matter how disruptive this may be. Can we do that? Okay. We'll just take a few minutes. So, Father, we, we invite you. You may even need to wrestle with Jesus, by the way, about this. And that's, that's really good. We invite you to highlight in us whatever is, Lord, even good stuff, even stuff that we had counted on for a long time. But maybe it's not your thing right now. Maybe it's not what you're doing right now. Maybe you're heading a different direction. Maybe you've taken a left turn and we, we liked it on the right side. Even that I said left and right, I think people are getting triggered. This is amazing, Jesus. I wasn't thinking about that till it just came out of my mouth. Lord, Notice what's going on us, and will you give us the grace to respond to your rule? Thank you. Let's stay here for just a minute.
dangers of religious holidays is that we feel the need to have a nice service. And Lord, I, I want to ask that you not let us out of the discomfort of how you want to transform us. Most of us run from discomfort. I do. We run from any pain. But unless you're feeling some of that, you're probably not changing. You're probably not changing. So Lord, we can trust you. We invite you in. We invite you in. We invite you in. Oh, we invite you in. Let's stand together. And could we just, as we close for this minute, imagine ourselves, imagine our hearts, imagine our, what we care about the most like it's Jerusalem. And we see Jesus coming our way. And it's really exciting because Jesus looks like, wow, I can imagine all the cool things he's going to fix in me. But knowing that once he comes in, he may kick some tables over. Are we okay with that? I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to like it. I don't, I don't ever like tra- changing. But I love what happens after I've changed. Does it make sense? So Jesus, come and transform us. Come and transform us. Could we let go of getting back to anything we thought was comfortable or familiar? As if it was that great anyway. Could we, could we let you do in us what you've been longing to do? Maybe our whole lives. To, to remove some fears and some chronic sin patterns or, or some judgments that we've held for a long, long time against ourselves and others. Could you, could you free us into a new joy-filled life knowing that resurrection is the direction you're always taking us? If you can agree with that prayer with me, can you just say amen with me? Amen. Okay, that's all I got. So, (laughs) thank you. All right, have a great week. Love you guys.